This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's look together this evening in the book of Philippians, chapter number 2. And we'll begin reading in verse number 12, Philippians chapter number 2. A great theme of the book of Philippians is that we would have the mind of Christ. And so as we navigate this life, we understand that as Christians, Satan cannot have our soul. As believers, our soul has been redeemed. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Our eternal destiny is settled, but we do know that Satan can work in our mind. And the great battlefield in the life of the Christian is in the mind. And so in the book of Philippians, we are, uh, the thought of the mind is addressed, especially here in chapter number two, that the mind of Christ would be in us. Chapter two and verse five, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I think it's interesting to note the word let that we find there in verse number 5 because we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ does not force himself upon us. Uh, He does not force us to yield to him. We must choose to allow him, his thoughts, his, his words to fill our hearts and our lives and to permeate our mind so that our actions would reflect his thoughts and his words. So he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And we find in these verses, verses 5 through 11, that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as he is spoken of here, he is spoken of in in, in the realm of his service, his service. And as we've been Uh, Noting in the gospel according to Mark, the king is portrayed as a servant. There are four views given to us in the gospels, uh, and each gospel portrays a different view. Matthew portrays him uh, as the king of the Jews, and uh, Luke portrays him as the son of man. John portrays him as the son of God, and Mark portrays him as the servant. These are four distinct views of the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, emphasize four different characteristics of his nature. And so we see here in Philippians chapter 2 that this thought of his service uh, is, is given to us and that we as the servants of God are to allow his mind to be in us. And so let's read, let's, let's back up and read this uh, in verse, uh, well, well, we'll begin in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Apparently he's dealing now with a church that has some issue with the fact that they're serving the Lord and uh, at times there is strife and a motive of 
vain glory. In verse number 4, he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Imagine that. Many of us are concerned with our reputation, and uh, we, we certainly should be concerned about our testimony. But uh, this is used in the sense of, of notoriety. And so he said he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant. He did not portray himself as a king uh, who had great authority over people, no, he portrayed himself as a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found, verse number 8, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And so we find that this spirit that is exemplified, this mind, this, this pattern of thinking that was in the Lord Jesus Christ when he humbled himself and became obedient, when he made himself of no reputation, this is to be uh, the same pattern of thinking that we are conformed to in our own minds. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in uh, his address to the Romans when he said, be not conformed to this world. Don't think like this world. Our minds have been conditioned in many regards uh, to, to think according to the thinking of the world. He says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the renewal of our mind is a continuous process. And we are... Uh, we are to undergo the renewal of the mind as we bring our mind in line with the mind of Christ. And that is done through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That is done through the ministry of the Word. And we are confronted with the thinking of God, the mind of God. And as we are uh, obedient to Him, as we are in, in fellowship and communion with Him, then His mind becomes our mind. Much as if you spend time with someone long enough, you will begin to understand the way they think. And as we spend time with the Lord, we begin to understand how he thinks. In this passage, we are uh, given the emphasis of his service. Now, from that point, uh, Paul springboards in verse number 12 to deal specifically with the service of the Philippian church. And I want you to read there in verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth, holding forth rather the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we come into your word, uh, we seek 
the help and the blessing of the Holy Spirit to reveal these truths to us, to help us to receive them and to remove from our minds any clutter and any thoughts which would keep us from hearing your truth. I pray that our wills would be submitted to you, that we would be obedient to your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We read the phrase in verse number 15, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That is the backdrop of their service. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a great environment to serve in in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. You know, oftentimes, you know, my dad would joke with me uh, as a kid, and he would say, you know, I know so-and-so, they wouldn't take a job in a pie-tasting factory. In other words, they, they, they just were people that didn't want to work, and if they had a job, they wanted the perfect environment. And oftentimes as Christians, we can become that way, right? I'm willing to serve, but only if it fits my schedule. I'm willing to serve as long as it fits my personal agenda. I'm willing to serve as long as the conditions are right. That becomes our attitude oftentimes in our Christian service. But Paul is, is confronting them with the truth that they are to serve the Lord in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. When you go to the jewelry store and you see the beautiful diamonds, you see them uh, usually lying on a, a bed of velvet, black velvet, and it is, it is there for a reason. The, the black velvet provides the backdrop by which the beautiful diamond is compared, and in the midst of the blackness of the velvet, you see the beautiful shining luster of the diamond. And here we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says, your service stands out as a shining light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And so may God help us to serve him in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And may God help us to remember who it is that we serve. For we do not serve ourselves, we serve our Savior. And we must be reminded of that from time to time, especially in the context of a local New Testament church as we embark upon the mission uh, that is God's mission. Now, uh, notice what he says here. As he speaks of this, this nation in which they live, they were crooked. That means bent or warped. And they were perverse. That means twisted or turned aside out of the way. He says what characterizes the nation that uh, Philippi was situated in is the fact that they, they were perverse meaning they were turned aside, that they were crooked, meaning that they were bent or they wore warped. The things weren't straight in Philippi and Macedonia. Things were crooked. Things were warped. Things were twisted. Today we find that that could be said of our nation, could it not? That it is a crooked and perverse nation, that things are warped, that things are twisted. Truly ours is a warped world. And therefore the charge remains the same to us as the charge was sent to Philippi that we as believers must present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, that we would yield our members as instruments of righteousness 
and therefore we must learn to submit ourselves to the service of the Lord, and we do so in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Now, I want us to look at three thoughts here from this text, and just three simple words. Number one is action. Number two is attitude. And number three is attentiveness. Action, attitude, and attentiveness, all three characteristics of our Christian service in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Let's look at the first one, that is action. Action. If we are going to serve the Lord, then it is not enough to just simply call ourselves the servants of the Lord. It is not enough to say that we serve the Lord. It requires that we actually do something in his service. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you think about the words work out, those two words, the first thing that comes to our mind, we say, I'm going to work out. That means we're going to exercise. We're going to do something. You've heard the old adage, action speaks louder than words. Or maybe you've heard this, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. And a lot of times we know how to talk a good game, don't we? But it's another thing to get on the field and play. You know, if I was in there, here's what I'd do. (laughs) I get amused sometimes listening to some of the kids in our Christian school, you know, and not this group that we currently have, but... Uh, you know, foregone generations of young people. This group has learned not to do that. But just say, boy, if I got in the game, here's what I would do, you know. And so many times uh, we have this thought about what we would do if it was uh, the opportunity presented itself to us. And those of us who have been around the block a little bit and been on the field of play know that it's not as easy as it looks. And... uh, Oftentimes, our actions don't live up to our words. So Paul is writing to them, and he says, Work out your own salvation. Then you notice the phrase, he says, With fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you. So notice those two phrases, Work out and worketh in. Work out and worketh in. We must learn to work out what God has worked in us. In verse 13, the Bible says, It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If we desire to serve the Lord, that is a work of God in our lives. That's a great miracle. Uh, Pastor Sexton often said the greatest miracle of, of Christian service is not that we're doing it. It is that we want to do it, that we have a desire to do it, that the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts in such a way as to cause us to love the Lord Jesus enough to desire to serve him with our lives. And if you desire to do that this evening, it is a miraculous work of God that he has worked in you both to will, that is to desire, and then to do, that is to perform the desire. It is God which worketh in you. And So it is not about our abilities. It's not about how good of a person we are. It is only about the fact that the Lord has worked in us in such a way. And as he has worked in us, we are commanded that we should work it out. Ephesians chapter 2 
and verse number 8. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But then he goes on to tell us in verse number 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore we find that as believers, we are the product of the work of God in our lives. He has fashioned us. He has revealed to us our sinfulness. He has, he has moved upon our hearts. We have responded in faith to Him. The Holy Spirit has come to indwell us. Uh, he has taught us uh, the truths of His Word. And as we have followed on to know Him, He is working to conform us to His image, and He makes us His workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So he makes us, but he makes us in order that he might use us so that we might fulfill his mission. He makes us so that we might operate. He works in us so that we will work out. And so our salvation and resulting sanctification is the result of God's work in us. We are His workmanship, and we are designed to produce good works. So oftentimes we want a, a pat on the back, or we want men's applause. I understand that this is what God has made us to do. He has made us to do this. And if we don't do this, then we are sinning against Him. John 15 and verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. That means that we would produce. Now, the secret of production in the life of the Christian is that he abides in Christ, and Christ performs the work of production in us and through us. So as we abide in him, we bear much fruit, and he is glorified. And that can only be done as we act, as we act as we do good works. It's not enough to be a Christian who simply occupies a place in a pew. We have been called to serve the Lord. We have been called to do His work in this world. Romans chapter 1, verse number 13. Uh, Paul says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse 14, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, verse 15, so as much as in me is, so as much has been poured into my life by faithful Sunday school teachers, by loving parents, by uh, those who uh, have loved me and taught me and instructed me, for as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. He said, God has worked in me. Now I, it is incumbent upon me to work out my salvation by preaching the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. My father-in-law has uh, street rods, and they fix up all these old cars, and they have car shows. And uh, from time to time, 
they'll have some events and people will travel from all across the country. I met a fellow uh, within the last week who was really into that. He lives here in Hickory and he was telling me about it. And, and uh, sometimes you'll see these folks who have all of these vehicles. It um, just looks like a nearly an entire fleet of all of these old cars that they have fixed up. And they're beautiful to look at, are they not? But they don't hardly ever drive them. Somebody was telling me today about someone who had a, a beautiful Mustang and it had uh, less uh, about a thousand miles on it. You know, that's a very expensive toy to look at, is it not? You can buy the model kits at, uh, at Walmart and, 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 and save a lot of money. But God did not make us to be museum relics. He made us to serve. Uh, we have a truck that we use around here. It's an old Ford Ranger. It's pretty beat up, and it's not very nice to look at. But it gets the job done. It gets the job done. And God did not create us to sit in the garage with a shining coat of wax. He created us to serve Him. And so may God help us to get in the game. And the good thing about this, there's no coach holding you back. You have every opportunity to get in the game. And so get on the field and play. Get on the field and play. James chapter 2 and verse 17, James wrote these words, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. What kind of faith do you have? A living faith or a dead faith? He said in verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Then he says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You see, true faith is a working faith. And so we see the word action. Let's serve the Lord together. Amen? Our time is short. The Lord said, I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Uh, we don't know when that night is coming. But it may come for us before it comes for others. And may the Lord help us. The second word is attitude. That's an important word for servants. Action is a very important word. But the word attitude is, is a very important word also. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 14 of Philippians chapter 2. Do all things without, would you say the next word with me, church? Murmurings and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. If we are to serve, if we are to shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, it is not only important that we serve and do, it is important that we serve with an attitude that brings glory and honor to Jesus. Our position concerning the Bible, concerning doctrine, is important. Our disposition is as important.
and may God help us. He says, do all things without murmurings. Murmurings are complaints which come from a heart filled with discontentment and ingratitude. And those shoots sprout up from the seed of pride in our life. When we're murmuring, when we're complaining, that comes from a heart filled with pride. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, disputes, arguments, division, divisiveness, offenses, arise from our thoughts. They, they cause opinions and debates. The thought that you and I need to be heard. All of those things spring from the seeds of pride in our heart. Murmurings and disputings. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. When we feel as if we've been slighted, when we feel as if we didn't get the due credit, as if we feel that we've been overlooked, uh, then murmurings and disputings often come. Psalm 100 and verse 2, the psalmist wrote, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. If you want to see an amusing sight, just stand up here with me some Sunday when we're singing to hymns. Because you try to encourage people to sing praise to God. And sometimes it's very difficult for everyone to grasp hold of that. Now, we all have bad days, don't we? We all have times when our minds are occupied with thoughts. I understand that. But we are, as God's people, to, to, to worship him with gladness and to come into his presence with singing. This reflects our attitude. This reflects what's in our heart. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. The Bible said, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We make much of that, do we not? Glorify God in your body. Be pure. Do what you're supposed to do. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means my heart, my attitude, my countenance. I'm to glorify God in that. And by the way, that doesn't always come easy for somebody like me. And it doesn't always come easy for somebody like you. But we are to glorify God in our spirits. Proverbs 17 and verse 27, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Our attitude, our heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse number 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here we're told that we are to be renewed. It is a constant process in the spirit of our mind because, as I said earlier, the devil works in our mind. He, he does everything he can uh, to, to, to darken and, and to cloud and to, and to dirty the globe that contains the light. Remember what he said to us? He said, you shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But when the globe gets dusty, undiscolored or darkened, then the light is not able to shine through. 
And so we have to keep our heart right. We must keep our attitude right as we serve the Lord in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, one that doesn't thank us for doing what we do, one that is not happy that we're here, one that will oppose the things that we try to do. And beside all of that, we have an adversary, the devil, who hates what we're doing, and he will do everything he can to discourage us from serving the Lord. And if we're not careful, it becomes about us and not about him. And so while we might be happy to see those children, we're not really too glad that they're in our care on nursery night. And if those parents had any sense, they would certainly do this. And when I see them, I'm going to let them know how irresponsible I find them to be. Does that happen? Well, not here, but in other churches. If they don't want to listen to me, I don't understand what's wrong with them. If they don't want to hear my message or my lesson in the class, or they don't want to hear the pastor's sermon, something surely is wrong with them. I can't believe that they don't think more highly of me than that. Again, these are all things that happen in other places, not ours. Well, if I, if I am not uh, a part of that group, or if I'm not uh, asked to sing that song, or if Whatever the case may be, you fill in the blanks. You know. You know how the devil works in your mind. You know how he works in your life to cause murmurings and disputings, to get your eyes off of him and onto others, to cloud and darken the bright light of the glorious gospel. You know what it is, and may the Holy Spirit show us. The Lord said of Caleb in Numbers 14, 24, My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Do you know what Caleb got to enjoy? What the other ten spies, or at least ten of the, of the twelve, did not get to enjoy was entering into the land. But Caleb got to go in, he and Joshua. Why? Because Caleb had another spirit. It wasn't a selfish spirit. It wasn't a spoiled spirit. It was the spirit of a servant. And you know who benefited from that? Not only did Caleb benefit, but his children and his grandchildren and his, the entire uh, posterity of Caleb benefited because he had another spirit. He didn't get jaded. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get angry. He wasn't filled with disappointment. He wasn't filled with despair and hopelessness. No, he kept his eyes on God and his faithfulness and his promises, and he embraced them. And because he did, he enjoyed what many others did not enjoy. He had another spirit. What kind of spirit do you have? What kind of attitude do you have? What kind of things do you find yourself saying? Have you listened to yourself? May God help us all. What was it that caused Daniel to stand out? When Belshazzar needed someone to interpret the writing on the wall, his mother, the queen, came and said, There's somebody here. His name is Daniel. He has in him the spirit of the holy gods. Light, as she called it, 
understanding and wisdom found in him. Verse 12 of Daniel chapter 5, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. What caused Daniel and the three boys, the three Hebrew children to stand out? It wasn't their doctrine, although that was important. It was their spirit. It was their attitude. It was the fact that they had the Spirit of God in them, and they were hopeful, and they they lived according to God's truth, and everybody who could see it saw the difference in their lives. And as we serve in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, may the glorious light of the Holy Spirit of God, may the person and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ permeate all that we do in our service to Him. You know why they were willing to listen to Daniel? Because his spirit exemplified the Spirit of Christ. It was not repulsive. It was attractive. It adorned the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get in a choir and sing and praise to God with a bad attitude, that's not going to glorify Him. The world will not find that attractive. If you play an instrument with a bad attitude, if you serve as an usher with a bad attitude, that will not bring glory and honor to God. If you teach a class with a bad attitude, if you give out a gospel tract with a bad attitude, that does not bring glory to God. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Caleb had an excellent spirit. And that is what caused them to stand out. So what is the first word? It is action. Work out what God has worked in. What is the second word? Attitude. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. Oh, here we go again. I've got to do something else. Had we stood at the foot of the cross and seen the suffering Savior, those, those words would never come out of our mouth again. Here's the third word. Attentiveness. Attentiveness. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He said, as you serve, understand you're to act, you're to work it out, you're to have a good attitude, and you are to be attentive. What are we to be attentive to? The word of life. How are we to do so? He said, holding forth the word of life. This means to have or hold, to hold out towards something, to direct upon. Here's the picture. I have in my Bible, I have in my hands a Bible. This is the word of life. This is the word of God. It is a living book. It is a book that is inspired by God. It 
is preserved and it is given to us today. And the word of God endures into every generation. I have in my hands and you have in your lap the word of life. Now here's what I'm to do with that word. I'm to hold it forth. I'm to hold it forth. I'm to take a firm grasp of hold of it. I'm not to let it go. I'm not to allow it to slip out of my hands and more importantly out of my heart. I'm holding it up and I'm holding to it. I hold to it, as I said, so that it stays within my heart. I hold it out and hold it up so that it might direct my paths. And as I go in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, holding forth the word of life, holding forth the light of God's truth, others see it. And they are welcomed to come into the light as I hold it forth. This speaks of my attentiveness. In the New Testament, this phrase is used of the mind, meaning to fix the mind upon, to give heed to, to pay attention to. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time the Lord's word spoke to you in the midst of some decision that you had to make? I remember my grandmother saying phrases, making statements that may have seemed a bit odd and no doubt today would have seemed a bit odd, only to discover that the statements that she was making were statements that were found in the Word of God. And someone says, well, I'll see you tomorrow. James said, don't say that. He said, say, if the Lord will, I'll see you tomorrow. You see, there, there are things that we must consider as we make decisions about what we're going to do with our money, what we're going to do with our time, what we're going to do with our, our, our entertainment. And we have to take heed. We have to take heed. We have to examine our actions and our thoughts and our activities in light of the Word of Life. Does the Word of Life dictate your actions, your attitudes? That's what he's saying to us. If you're going to serve in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, then you need to take the light. And you need to hold to it tightly. That means you need to retain it. You need to hold it within. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119 verse 9. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How am I going to stay right in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation? Imagine all the dangers that await me in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. How am I going to stay right? How am I going to stay clean? Here's how, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. He went on to say in verse 10 of Psalm 119, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. If I'm holding them forth, and it's lighting my way, then I cannot wander from his commandments, can I? Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Retain it, hold it. Put it in your heart. Put it in your life. 
Thy word, he said, Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let God's word direct you. Let God's word dictate your actions, your attitudes. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16. Timothy was living in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, one that was seeking to persecute him. One that was vile and wretched in Ephesus. He says to him in 1 Timothy 4, 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Take heed. Examine your life in the light of my truth. Examine your path. In the light of my truth. Examine your actions in the light of my truth. Examine your own spirit in your service to me in the light of my truth. And if you will do this, you will not only deliver your own self from danger, but you will save them, deliver them that hear So here we see three words that are key for the servant. Number one, action. Number two, attitude. Number three, attentiveness. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.